of our series, Red Letter Revolution, we are going to talk, uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, maybe new with us, for the next seven weeks, for seven weeks total, that, that is, we are going to lead up to Easter with seven of the parables that Jesus taught from uh, the book of Matthew is where they're recorded for us so we can read them and uh, understand them. And so today we're going to look at yet another of those, and we will do so leading up to great Easter Resurrection Sunday, just a few weeks away. I hope you're getting ready to invite somebody you've never invited before and uh, see their life change forever because we're going to be talking about, for three Sundays, life's about to get good because it doesn't get any gooder than Easter, right? And so uh, it'll be good. Uh, today, uh, in thinking about this, we're going to talk about uh, the text is from Matthew chapter 20. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and get ready. Matthew chapter 20, we'll get there in a moment. But let me just set this up by asking you, if you're a parent, if you've ever done this, or maybe you've observed a parent who's done this, have you ever engaged in negotiation with your child? You know, like uh, at Target, perhaps, and you're getting ready to go in there, and your kid's not doing too well, and you're like, now listen, if, if you'll behave, if you'll be good in this store, then we'll get some candy or we'll get something good on the way out uh, for you. And so you're kind of negotiating with your kid on their behavior. And, and I see the downside in that is then they think, well, I only need to be good when I'm going to get something good. Anybody else see that? And so uh, that, that could lead to a three-year-old maybe standing at the door of Target and saying, now, hey, before we go in, let, let's just get this negotiated right here and now. Uh, I, I'd like one of those big sugary drinks, you know, that's here uh, before just to get things started. And I'm not in the mood today for this, just so you know. And so it's probably going to involve a pretty good sized toy uh, to keep me peaceable uh, in this uh, shopping extravaganza that you have in mind to walk down every aisle in Target today. And so uh, to do this right, uh, we, we need to negotiate this. And uh, we, we kind of laugh at that, but... It's kind of like in that negotiation, it turns into almost a business transaction with your child. You know, like, I'll do this, you do this. And yet, often, that's where we find ourselves in our relationship with God. You know, God, now, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. And it's in this context that Jesus presents this story that he's going to tell. As a matter of fact, it starts there in Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. But before we get there, how many know what comes before chapter 20? 
chapter 19, right? But, but the context of chapter 20 and those chapters were just put there by people to help us to be able to know where to locate these stories, which I appreciate fully. But uh, the story leading up to it is one of a rich young man that comes to Jesus and he's like, you know, I want to get this right and, and I want eternal life. And so how can I make sure that I'm going to receive eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know, you need to follow the commandments. You know, there are things that God has established and you need to follow those in your life, to which the young man says, got it, check, I, I, I've got that. Uh, you know, it's all good in that area. Now, is there anything else that I should do? And Jesus says, yeah, here's, here's one thing else you need to do. Just sell everything you've got and then follow me. To which the Bible records that the young man went away sorrowful because he was rich. To which uh, it helps us to have a little insight, and I don't have time to go in this direction today, but it gives us a little insight into the thing of, well, if I had more money, I'd be more generous. (laughs) To which the Bible says, no, you wouldn't. Because if you're not faithful with a little, you won't be faithful with a lot. And so the young man goes away sorrowful, and Jesus goes ahead and says, it's hard for a rich person to get into heaven. As a matter of fact, it looks impossible, to which the disciples are like, well, then who's going to get in? And Jesus says, well, you can't. It's going to take a miracle. It's going to take God to do the impossible to help you get to heaven. And, and so Peter, don't, you got to love Peter because Peter is the friend, maybe you've got one of these friends, who will say what you're thinking. Anybody have one of those friends? You know, you, you won't speak to the boss. You, you won't, you know, say it. But Peter will say it, right? And, and so Peter says, hey, what about us? We left all the fish, all the nets, the boats, the whole thing behind. And we have left our families to follow you. What about us? To which Jesus says, don't you Worry about it. No one has left anything but what they'll receive more in this world and in the world to come. And the first will be last, and the last will be first. And so it's in this context that then Jesus tells this story. And so if you have it in your Bible, you can go ahead and read it along. If you don't, we're going to pull it up on the screen. Here's what it says. For the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is talking, is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. 
he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, which was a day's wage, by the way. And he sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. And he went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon. And he did the same thing about five in the afternoon. So this is late in the day. He went out and found still others standing around, which, by the way, if you go on a missions trip into some of these countries, you'll see this. You'll see guys just standing around on corners wishing they had a job, wishing that they had somewhere to work. And so he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? And here's what they said, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. And when evening came, which was just a little bit later, about six in the evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. And the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each, look at this, received a denarius, a day's wage. So when those came who were hired first, they expected, <laughs> I'm going to get more, right? I mean, these guys only worked an hour or so, so I, I must be getting more. He's going to bonus us. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for Denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. You know, we just love this story, don't we? No, we do not. Because there's something in you. I don't know. Come on now. Engage with me. I know it's daylight savings time weekend. But get it on, all right? Let's, let's have some fun this morning. It's no fun if you don't participate. So, so help me out today. We don't like this. Because we think, we think, hey, uh, you know, I mean, these guys didn't bear the brunt of the work. And we did, we worked all day long, so we should receive more than. You know, sometimes what happens is the person who didn't need a car is the person who walks through the door and the balloons drop and the siren goes off and you're the one millionth customer, you in a car. And you're like, they drove up in a Jaguar. 
I've got to conquer. And I was two people behind them. What's up with that? Right? We, we don't like that. We, we feel like, you know, it ought to be fair. And we, we've all felt that. We've all felt to, to be the person that's left out. And, and so to help us understand this story, when Jesus would talk about the master or the landowner, who is he talking about? He's talking about God. God, your heavenly Father. And so the landowner is God, and he says, and these people, they agree for a day's wage. They agreed that this would be what would happen. But then he goes out, and he hires more and more and more and more. And then to really set the stage, he pays the last ones first. And so it gets their anxiety up because they think, oh my goodness, we're going to, maybe he'll double what we were going to receive. You know, I I don't know what he's going to do here, but instead they get the exact same amount. Now, our standards would dictate that the pay should increase, right? And so what they realize is that, no, that's not how it works because everybody gets the same. But what you and I have to understand is this is not Jesus' way to teach economics. This is Jesus' way, and he says it at the very beginning in verse 1. We read it. This is the way the kingdom works. This is the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is like this. And the way God operates is often in an unexpected way. He he doesn't operate the way we would. In other words, he'll say something like, hey, give me the first 10% of your income. The first, I know you got bills and I know you got all the stress and everything in your life and all, but if you'll bring me the first then, and I'll bless the 90%. It'll go further than your 100% will without, your, without my blessing. And we think, how does that work? How can that happen? But I'm telling you, Rochelle and I have been tithers since we first got married, and, and we have seen it work. We have seen God bless in so many different ways. And then he'll come along and say something like, hey, and when you get smacked on the cheek, go ahead and turn the other one. Say, yeah, just hit it right here. <laughs> to which we think, oh, who wants to do that? And, and he says, you know, and, and what you need to do for those enemies who do that kind of stuff to you is you need to pray for them. Which is what we all feel like we want to do, right? <laughs> is just pray for them. And, and then, you know, he, he talks about how that when, when things come your way and stresses and all, the Bible over and over again from beginning to end really is this theme of you praise your way out. You know, you don't complain your way out. You, you don't say, oh, you know, it's so awful and oh, no, I don't even feel good today and I miss my hour of sleep, you know, and 
oh man, I'm just dragging today. And he says, no, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to shout. I'm going to praise. I'm going to jump. I'm going to dance. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to praise my way out of this slump. And it's amazing. How many are a witness that you can do that? You, you can praise your way right out of a slump. And, and it, it's so much more effective than complaining. Hello? And, and so the landowner says, and you chose what you were going to get. These other people had to trust me. See, and they had to trust the generosity and they got more than they expected. And so there's some principles of grace that I want to help us to learn today. There's three questions of grace that I want us to ask. And then we're going to take communion together and, and just wrap up this message of grace by just coming around the Lord's table of communion together in celebration. Because God gives gifts, not wages, all right? He gives gifts, not wages. And so there's some grace questions that we need to ask ourselves. And the first question is this, is what would you rather get? Grace or earnings? Right? Would you rather get what you deserve? How many sign up for that today? All of us, though, get into this thing, and I'm, I'm sure, come on and help me now, to preach this with me, or I'll just come out there and tag you, all right? I'll just say, it's probably you, all right? Uh, because here, here's the thing, we'll, we'll do things like, God, if you'll get me this promotion, I'll be at church all year long. I mean, the only time is when we go on our vacation. I'll probably miss, miss that one. I might fly back for it, as a matter of fact. If you get me this promotion, uh, because I, I need this promotion. Or, come on, students, come on. Uh, God, you know this test that I've got to take today. And you know I, I didn't study like I ought to for it. So, God, I just need you to put the answers in my head right now. Just, just, oh, there it is. Oh, come on, Lord, you know. Word of knowledge, where are you? And, and, and so we, we, we say, God, I, you know, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. And that sounds a lot like a work agreement, a conditional work agreement. And God did not sign on for a business transaction with you and I. He signed on for a relationship with you and I. He wants us to be in relationship with him. Can you imagine a marriage where you negotiated everything? Where you say, okay, well, uh, you cook the dinner, then I'll clean the dinner, and then uh, you run the vacuum, and I take out the trash, and you know, and you just the whole week long, you know, you just kind of doing this thing of okay, now where are we at? Where, what's where's the scoreboard? You know, where are we at here? 
And, and, and I have couples, you know, that talk about, you know, is it like a 50-50 thing? No. No, a good marriage is not 50-50. A good marriage is 100%, 100%. It's, it's, I don't care if you run the vacuum or not. I don't care if you burn the dinner. I don't care if the trash is piling up or whatever, or if I've got to take it out myself. I don't care what you do. I'm still giving my 100% to it. Now, is it easy? No, but I'm telling you, it's the secret to a great marriage because otherwise you're always keeping score, you know? Oh, I I think you only gave 35% today. Let me back off, you know? I think I'm giving a little too much here. And so we can't come to God with a 50-50 proposition and say, hey, God, I've got such a deal for you. I'm going to do this if you'll do this. Let me tell you something. There is nothing you can give to God that he needs today. There's nothing that you can do for him that he requires. God is not up in heaven saying, oh, I just wish my people would give. I'm so poor today. I'm just so, I need some, you know, I need some praise. I'm feeling empty. I don't feel very much self-esteem today, you know, if my people would praise me. No, he's not doing any of that. There's nothing you can give to him who is self-sustained, who is the great I am, and who needs nothing else besides himself to exist. He was there before the world began, and he'll be there after it's done. And so what he needs from us today is just he wants our trust, our love, our, our commitment to him. Our sharing in relationship, because here's what the Bible says you deserve. Romans says, the wages of sin is death. See, that, that's what I earned. That, that's what you and I deserve. And then in Isaiah, Isaiah tells it like this in the Old Testament. He says, well, your righteousness, in other words, your right living and your best day on your best behavior is like filthy rags before God. It's just trash in front of his great holiness. And so we can offer nothing that is impressive to God. We, on the contrary, need everything that he has to offer us. And especially here, Jesus says, you need his grace. You need his grace in your life. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Let me read this verse to you. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, before you get all, oh, yeah, 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 see, because I confessed. I, oh, I, I raised my hand one Sunday, you know. Or I, I signed something at the church down the road, you know, or whatever. And, and I, I, you know, I, I played, I joined the church, and I, I did this. Before you go there. Just, just, he, he goes on. And this is not from yourself. You didn't even get, you didn't even orchestrate the faith that you do have. That was a gift from God. Hello? 
that the mere fact that you came to your senses and realized I need God in my life, that was God telling you that. So you can't take credit for any of this. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So no one can come and say, hey, hey, what about me? Because if you negotiate, think about this for a moment. What if you negotiate with God? God, I'll do this, you do this. And God says, okay. But he walks away saying, man, I wanted to do so much more. But they were willing to settle for that. That was like a crumb from my table. That was nothing for me to do. See, there was a prophet in the Old Testament that illustrates this in 2 Kings where Elisha said to the king, he says, take those those arrows in your hand and smite the ground with them. And the Bible says that the king smote the ground three times. And the prophet got angry. And he says, why did you stop? If you had continued, you would have totally annihilated the enemy. But because you were willing to only smack it three times, you will win three victories over the enemy, and they'll still be there. What if you only settled for three when you could have had more? See, what if you're settling today and God has so much more for you? I heard about the storekeeper who kept a jar of candy behind the counter. And when little kids would come in, he'd say, hey, you can go ahead and take some candy there. And this one little boy came in with his mom. And he'd come in quite often. And he says, go ahead, son, take some. And the little boy wouldn't reach in. He says, go ahead, it's, it's okay, just reach in. And his mom said, go ahead, son, he's, he's telling you to reach in. And the little boy wouldn't do it. So finally, storekeeper reached in there, got a big hand candy, and put it in the boy's hands, and he carried it home. And on the way home, the mom says, why didn't you reach in the jar when he asked you to? He says, because he's got bigger hands than I do. <laughs> I'm telling you, God's got bigger hands than you do. Don't you settle for what you can get when God has so much more than maybe he wants to do in your life. Here's the next question is, do you trust God or not? Because, see, these early workers, they had to trust. Only the first workers knew what they were going to get. The rest of them, they just trusted. You know, I think this guy's good. I think this guy's faithful. I think he'll do the right thing. And they just served trusting in his fairness and in his generosity. And I'm telling you, some of us have a hard time trusting when we can't see the payoff. When the payoff is not immediate, and, and we come and we want to know, hey, what, what's the payoff? What, what's going to happen? But see, our eyes are on the short term when God's are on the long term. You see, the short term pays less, but you get it immediately. It's instant gratification. 
The long term pays more, but you've got to wait. You have to be patient. And too many want what's known and what's now. And especially this can happen when it comes to the applause of men. See, some of us maybe are too tuned in to our, our, our social media account, and, and we want the applause of men. You know, how many likes am I getting? How, how many friends? How, how many followers? What's going on out there? Do you like me now? And, and, and am I okay now? And, and, and you know, come on, I, I, wanna, I want you to tell me and help me to know I, I need some gratification right now instead of living for the applause of heaven. It's the reason right before this parable and immediately after this parable, the same words are spoken. The first will be last, and the last will be first. It's interesting that the parable is sandwiched between this phrase. And the reason is, is we've got to trust God in his generosity. We've got to trust that God is so generous that, you know what? I can trust him with my future. I don't have time today to go through all these scriptures that I've got written down, but let me just say in Luke chapter 6, 22, you can look it up later, persecuted people. Jesus says, you're blessed if you're persecuted. You, you need to count yourself blessed. The blessing might not be all right now either. It may be later. And when you love your enemies, he says, you, you'll be blessed as well. And when you give, in Luke 6, 38, he says, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And he says, when you serve the poor, then you'll obtain treasure in heaven. Our, our youth group just went and served downtown. I love it. Uh, went and served the poor. And, and the thing about the poor is the poor can't pay you back. You know, you're, you're doing for them but you, you can't negotiate like, hey, I'm going to give you some soup. What are you going to do? And they're like, I ain't got nothing. And Jesus says, when you serve people who can't pay you back, I notice. I notice. And I'll pay you back. And then he says, when you suffer for my name's sake, then, then you'll inherit uh, goodness and graciousness in my kingdom. And when you work for me honorably in a job maybe that you don't even like in Colossians chapter 3, and maybe you're in one of those where you just, you know, you don't even like the job that you're in, but you do it anyway, and you serve to his glory. You serve for the glory of God, and you go to work with a good attitude, and you go there to praise him through your work ethic and what you do. And even if people People don't notice, you know that God notices. And so you do it as unto the Lord. And here's what, what the Bible says you'll never lose your reward. So, do you trust Him? Do you really trust Him? And here's the next question. You guys doing okay? Everybody okay? All right. Here's the next question Is do you, do you have feelings? of jealousy of others. Are you jealous of others? See, these guys 
who had worked all day, they're like, whoa, what's up? What, what is this? Why are these guys getting paid what we agreed to get paid? That's not right. And look at verse 15 and what we read before. The owner says, are you envious? Are you envious of my being generous? See, we can be envious of God's generosity. In another version, it says, is your eye evil because I'm good? In other words, are you seeing things wrong? Is your eye evil? Is your eye adapted to the world? And you're seeing this through the eyes of the world instead of through kingdom eyes because grace gets you what you don't deserve, but it also gives the same grace to the person sitting next to you. And, and here's where it really gets crazy, is when you're praying for a blessing and he gets it. Have you ever had that happen? Come on now, I'll come out there, I'm telling you. you you're praying, oh God, Oh, God, I need a job that'll pay better. And, God, I, I just need one that'll, that'll give me the ability to provide better. And so, God, bless me. And your friend comes along and says, I got a new job. And you're like, oh, great. So happy for you. Yeah, you're, you're praying, oh, God. Give us a baby, God. Oh, come on, God. Please bless us. And, and you're, 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 this person says, oh, it's so great. We're pregnant again. You're like, God, right here. You know, I don't know why, why you, you know, get the GPS going up there, God. You, you, you know, it's over here we need the blessing. They don't need any help, you know. And, and am I right? Am I? You're not gonna leave me up here by myself today, right? Right? Are we real? Are we real? Right? And, and so, if I can't rejoice with others, then I can't be rewarded like God wants. And so, I've got to learn to rejoice with other people. And they were blinded by their own envy and jealousy that they could not see the awesome generosity of their landowner, God. And see, what God doesn't want from us is he doesn't want us to get caught up in what we want so much that we fail to see his grace working in somebody else's life. Where we lose sight of the long term. See, the reason why they were, they were, they were messed up is because they were still focused on the short term. They're still focused on what's going on right here, right now. But here's the, the good news. The good news is the grace of God will often come to the most unlikely people. And you know what's good about that? is you're one of those people, right? Hello? 
Don't sit there looking all holy on me. I know better, all right? Because let me tell you something. The reason why we can rejoice over others and God's grace and God's goodness and God's favor and God's blessing in their life is that's the same grace, the same mercy, the same forgiveness that we need in our lives for us to get to heaven. So here's the thing. This, this is a great story for the people who are negotiators. This is a great story for people who get caught up in the short term instead of the long run of life. And this is a great story for those of us who have a tendency to get jealous over God's goodness in other people's lives. Because let me tell you something, friend. Heaven is forever. Okay? It's eternal. And so you have not, here's what God says, you've not seen, you've not even heard all that I have in store for those who are serving me. And so don't worry about the short term. Don't worry about, you know, is this person getting a little more than they deserve? Don't don't worry about all that because I'll take care of it. And let me tell you something. The first will often be last. And last will be first. See, we can trust God today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And in a world that gets caught up in who's got what and who's, who's got it right now, that that's not what your kingdom is about. It, it's not the here and now. It's about forever. And so, God, for those of us who get a little foggy, for those of us who get a little envious sometimes, when we see your hand extended and blessing other people who we think don't deserve it as much as we do. God, help us today to get readjusted. Help our eyes to get focused and help us to rejoice with those who receive from you. Maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, I need, I need some of that this morning. I, I needed to get my attention this morning with this story to help me rethink everything and just realize it's all about eternity. It's not about the right here, right now. And I, I just want God to know that I'm in it for the kingdom. I'm in it for, for his glory, for his honor, not mine. And, and it doesn't matter what comes my way. I, I'm just going to serve him and trust him with not just today, but tomorrow in my life. How many are with me on that? You just raise a hand and say, yeah, that's my life. That's my commitment today. Father in heaven, you see our hands in the air, and we commit to you all over again that, that we want to serve you. And it's not about the payoff. It's, it's not about whether we're going to get something today or we're going to get a new car or we're going to get, negotiate something. God, we don't want to negotiate because we already get more than what we deserve, your love and your grace in our lives. And so, God, help us to just trust you better, to trust you more, 
and to live in trust. Maybe others of you are here today and you would say, Craig, I need to understand that God is in that relationship business. Not not transactional, but relational. Because I've looked at it as, well, if I do this, then God does this. But, but I understand today, and maybe you understand for the first time, that grace doesn't work like that. That grace is just free. And that God, it's a gift from God. And that today, God wants to give a gift to somebody here, just like he did in the first service. That, that maybe you've never received before. Or maybe you received it once, but you walked away. But today, there's a voice in your head saying, no, just wait. But I'm telling you, that's a lying voice. There's another voice that would say, today is your day of forgiveness. Today is your day to start over. Today is your day to be forgiven. And if you'd like God to do that for you, would you just raise a hand and say, yeah. I want to take communion together with this whole church. Yes, hands going in the air hands up there. God bless you. Hands over here. God bless you. God bless you. All right. Hands around the room in several different places. So church family, just pray this prayer with me. Help me and help others to pray this prayer. Just say, dear heavenly father, thank you for sending Jesus to be the sacrifice for sin. I know I've sinned, but I want to start over. So please wash away my past. Give me a new beginning. As much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for giving me grace and giving me mercy and accepting me into your family today and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. We're going to take communion together here as a church family. And so those who are going to be serving us are making their way to do that. Here's how we take communion here at Crossroads is everybody's welcome. Uh, Maybe you just became a member of the family of God. And so maybe you're going to take communion for the first time. How exciting. That's so awesome. Uh, What we do is we're going to hand out bread and a cup. And we ask you to just hold the bread, the little piece of bread and cup, until everyone's been served. And then after everyone's received it, everyone's been served it, then we'll all take it together uh, in celebration of what God has done in our lives, the forgiveness that he's given to us. So they're going to go ahead and begin to share that around the room. Just go ahead, pass it on to the next person as you receive it. And again, just hold the bread, hold the cup until everyone's been served. And then we're all going to participate together. And to set a tone for this, I want us to just think about God's amazing grace in our lives. It is amazing that God would forgive you, would forgive me, would wash away our sins and forgive us completely and enable us to go to heaven. It is like the Bible says, like we read, it is a gift of God. And how many of you, when you get a gift, you taught your kids this, say thank you, right? 
And so today we get a chance to say thank you once again for your amazing grace.